0: one thing worse than losing and that's thinking you're winning and finding out you're losing you know what I mean (laughs) and and this is a bit of a theme in my life Uh, we um uh, my my kids introduced me to the game of Catan during the week Right now, if you don't know how to play the game, it, it doesn't matter, but um, it's one of these sort of long games where you, you, know, you trade things and you build things and there's roads and, and, and uh, houses and this sort of stuff. And anyway, we get toward the end of the game and as uh, someone wins the game, they get the 10 points required yeah. to win. They, they win the game. Okay. Okay. <laughs> someone other than me, it was my wife, wins the game. And uh, so there you go. Anyway, but they won the game but I was secretly proud because I showed my hand to the others and I said, but, you know, I had some secret cards in my hand and I was just about to win. I was, I was so close to winning. And then my children looked at the cards in my hand and said, no, Dad, they're not the winning cards. <laughs> You've collected useless stuff. You're actually dead last. I thought I was so close. I thought I was so smart. In fact, I was was collecting the wrong stuff. You ever felt like this in life? Like, I thought I was on the path to winning. I thought I was holding the winning cards. In fact, I was collecting the wrong stuff. And I was a long way from what winning looked like in this game. We're talking about the kingdom of God uh, over a few weeks. Um, We said last week that uh, Matthew, Mark and Luke in their biographies of the life of Jesus, they all agree, they all say the same thing, that Jesus' first public words uh, as an adult when he sort of steps out into public life and he says, here's what I've got to tell you. His first public words go something along the lines of, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. And repent is a word we use a lot in church. It means to, to sort of to turn around. It's, it's Jesus saying, change the direction of your life. Turn around and see the kingdom that I'm bringing, it's good news. We said last week that Jesus' kingdom, uh, this kingdom he's talking about, is not a new nation. He didn't raise an army. He didn't fight a war, at least not war in the way that we think about war anyway. That Jesus talks about the kingdom of God as like a world Within a world. It's a, it's a world or a kingdom within this world that works according to God's rules and God's values. And it's a world that we're all invited into that everyone is invited into the kingdom of God. It's a, it's a world that we must be reborn into. Um, Jesus literally said it's like being born again. you've you know all been born sort of you know naturally through parents. this is like a spiritual rebirth into this new kingdom. And we noted last week, and it is absolutely true to say that, Jesus spends more time talking about this kingdom and the way that it works than anything else that he talks about. According to all four of those who wrote biography, biographical accounts of his life, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, all agree that Jesus spent more time teaching about and talking about the nature of the kingdom of God than anything else. Matthew's biography starts with the birth of Jesus. He tells kind of the birth story, if you open Matthew and start from the beginning. And, and he has some other sort of, if you like, kind of uh, sets the scene of the life of, of Jesus, tells a, a story or two about his sort of growing up years. Not many, but just a story or two. Um, he tells the story of the way that Jesus collected his disciples, those, those that we call the 12 disciples or apostles. He, he sort of sets that up. And then he launches in what in our Bibles is Matthew chapter 5 into a sermon. It, it's three chapters in your Bibles, uh, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. It's presented as sort of one long message of Jesus teaching about the kingdom of God. So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. We're going to begin. It's what um, a lot of people call the Sermon on the Mount. If you've ever heard that, that this is that's what this is, the Sermon on the Mount, right? Um, <clears throat> And it's called that because Jesus gathers, or people gather around Jesus, hundreds, probably thousands of them, and he's actually on a hillside, a mount, as in like on a mountain, sermon on a mountain. Jesus is sort of up high, everyone uh, can see him, and he begins to teach. Matthew chapter 5, beginning verse 2. He began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. People call those first few verses the Beatitudes. You've heard the Beatitudes? That's them. That's what people call the Beatitudes. And they might seem a little bit confusing for us when you read those things they were way more confusing for the first people who heard them. For those people who were sitting on the mountainside, this was super confusing, weird stuff. Jesus is redefining what success looks like in his world. He's redefining what success looks like in the kingdom of God. But he's talking to a people. He's talking to a nation of people who are under Roman occupation. The Roman army has literally, it's like a foreign nation now, the Roman army has literally invaded their land, conquered their army and taken over. They've set up camp in Israel and they've said to the people, you can keep living and working, but we are now the rulers. You now come under the rule and the law of Rome. And God's people are praying for God to help them. They're praying for some sort of deliverance. They're praying for some sort of saviour who will come along and sort of gather a a rebellion or an army and fight back against the Romans and give them their freedom. And then this is kind of the plan that Jesus comes up with. Blessed are the poor, verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Well, that's not right. People who take hold of kingdoms are not poor in spirit, are they? They're rich in spirit and they're they're strong in spirit. They're confident and they're courageous. I mean, look at the Romans. That's not how it works. This is a totally upside down idea, right? Verse 5, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Well, that's not right. The meek don't get anything, do they? (laughs) The meek get trodden on by other people. People who inherit the earth are bold, charismatic, powerful people. They're they're leaders who will stand in front of people and say, come follow me. I mean, the Roman emperor. There's nothing meek about those who inherit the earth, is there? Verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons and the daughters of God. Jesus is talking to people who are ruled by the Roman Empire. The most powerful army, the most powerful empire in all of history. As far as they knew, they ruled the whole world as best as they knew what the world was at that time. The sons of God need to, need to fight back. They need to get together. They need to rally their friends and, you know, start sharpening their butcher's knives in the kitchen so they can form an army and fight back. The peacemakers are not going to get them anywhere, are they? Peacemakers are never going to defeat the Roman army, surely. We need to fight. This is totally upside down. This isn't going to work. Jesus isn't giving, the Beatitudes are not a random list of rules, right? This is not Jesus saying you have to do this and this and this. He's giving examples of how things work in the kingdom of God. He's sort of painting word pictures for the values for how things work in this new kingdom, for how totally upside down success is in the kingdom of God. Because the world says that success and power and victory those sort of things that, that they come from fame and they come from money and they come from military conquest. The kingdom of God says that success comes from love and peace and service. the world says that you should put yourselves first. the kingdom of God says that you love others and you put them first. The world says that you should fight for your rights, you know, stand up for yourself. And Jesus comes saying that the kingdom of God says that you should fight for the rights of others and you should stand up for others before you stand up for yourself. It's totally upside down. Let me show you another example of how Jesus teaches about this upside down kingdom. It's in Matthew chapter 19. I'm going to Start reading from verse 16. It's a story you might have heard before, but listen to this in terms of the upside-down values of the kingdom. You might never have thought about this story the way Jesus intended it to be heard. A man came up to Jesus and inquired, Teacher, what good thing must I do to obtain eternal life? Why do you ask me what's good? Jesus replied, there's only one who's good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones, the man asked. Jesus answered, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honour your mother and father, do not uh, uh, love your neighbour as yourself. They're They're from the Ten Commandments, right? So you might have heard those, but everyone in Jesus' audience knew those laws, right? All these I have kept, said the young man. I've ticked off all those. I'm doing all those. What do I still lack? Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, you want to be complete, you want to be sort of full in your following uh, of God, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away in sorrow because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples who were standing in the background watching this conversation, He turned to them and he said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and they asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and he said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Look, Peter replied, Peter's one of the 12, he said, look, we've left everything to follow you. What will there be in it for us? Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, in the renewal of all things, he's talking about sort of at the end of time when, when Jesus brings all things unto him, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones. Judging the tribes of Israel. And everyone, everyone who's left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields, in other words, businesses, uh, for the sake of my name, will receive a hundredfold, hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. Verse 30, but many who are first will be last and last will be first. The story's all upside down, isn't it? I mean, money is one of the biggest indicators of success in life isn't it I mean meet someone we do it today the people who we think are really they've got a lot of money people who don't have much money we think well they're less successful right it was no different in Jesus time what the world taught about money then is the same as the world teaches about money today you should get as much as you can you should keep as much as you can and what you get is yours do with it whatever you like Spend it on yourself. Live your best life. Verse 21, Jesus says to this young man, If you want to be perfect, complete, full, go sell your possessions and give to the poor. Then you'll have treasure in heaven. Contrasting treasure in this world with treasure in the kingdom of heaven. Now, most scholars believe that Jesus, this is not a, a, he's not literally saying to the man, sell every single penny you have. But he's using really strong language to make a point to this young man. He's saying, if you want to be rich in the kingdom of God, you want to be successful, you want to be wealthy in the kingdom of God, use your money in this life to bless others. Be generous, be crazy generous in this life. Give more than you keep in this life, then you'll have treasure in heaven. Then you'll be rich in the kingdom of God. Can you see how it's totally upside down? Even Jesus' disciples are confused. They're standing behind him going, well, is that even possible? Like, does that even work? And Jesus says to them, yeah, you're exactly right. He says, with man, like in this world, this is impossible, but with God saying in the kingdom, all things are possible. He's saying success looks totally different in the kingdom of God than it does in the world around you. So this is a teaching specifically about money, but he's teaching them that that money isn't the way to success in the kingdom of God. Success isn't about, in terms of money, isn't about what you get, but it's about what you give. But can you see that when we live like this, when his followers live like this, this is what drives us toward trust in God. Right? This, is, this is what's at the heart of this teaching. Because If you give your wealth away, if you give your wealth and your fame away, only then are you in a position where you have to trust God because you've given away the other thing that you could trust, right? This is the nature of the kingdom. Only then are you in a position where you have to rely on God. Because you've given away those other things that in a worldly sense you could rely on for success, for victory, for your best life. And this is what God wants for you, right? He wants your best life. But he's trying, Jesus is trying to teach them the way to your best life. Fast forward to verse 30. At the end of that he says, Many who are first will be last and last will be first. That little slogan actually appears at the end of a whole number of stories where Jesus teaches about the kingdom. You might have heard that. You've heard that before. It's not only in that story. It's like a slogan that Jesus used, like his sort of little catch cry, that he just tag on to the end of a story to remind people. I'm talking about the upside-down kingdom. This is another story. This is another example of a world where the first will be last and the last will be first. That's the way it works In the kingdom of God the upside-down world of the kingdom of God isn't a list of rules as I said before this this isn't Jesus this isn't a new list of things that you need to remember as I've taught often in this place remember Jesus instituted just one rule one kind of you know all covering rule which was what love Love God and love others. Everything else flows out of that. He's not trying to create a whole bunch of rules here. He's trying to show people a list, if you like, a a kind of value for the way that things work in the kingdom of God. He's saying that the kingdom of God is a world that gives more than it takes It's a world that elevates others before we elevate ourselves. It's a world where peace is the path to victory, where service is the road to success, and where forgiveness is the path to real happiness. Jesus, This is what success looks like. This is what victory looks like. This is what your best life looks like in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God isn't just something that you believe in. It's not just a club you belong to. It's not a you know it's not a card that you have in your pocket saying yeah you know not a sticker you put on the back of your car you know i'm a i'm a port adelaide member i'm a member of the kingdom of god it's not like that the kingdom of god is a lifestyle and it's a choice that people make it's a decision you make to live by a different set of values It's a decision you make to live by a different set of rules. It's a decision you make to put a different goalpost at the end of your life. That's why Jesus says repent, because he's saying you used to be headed in this direction toward that goal. If you want to follow me, you need to turn around and you need to focus on a whole different goal. Now this might sound great in church, but if you're anything like me, and I'm being really honest, in real life, this makes me nervous. Just like the rich young man went away sad, he was like, well, "That's not going to work for me." <laughs> Just like the disciples were like, "Is this?" You know, the disciples like, "Is this really going to work? Is this actually possible?" I feel like that a lot of the time. You know, if I live this way, will it actually turn out? Will I actually have enough? Because it's easy to hear this stuff and say, yeah, but. You know those conversations? You re-listen to the message on YouTube and, you know, someone looks over your shoulder and says, well, that's good. Yeah, 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 but don't go too over the top with this stuff. You know, everything in moderation. I mean, don't be too generous. Generosity is a great thing, but don't be too generous. Make sure you keep enough for yourself. Don't elevate others above yourself too much because, you know, people might tread on you and, you know, someone might take advantage of you. Man, how many times have I heard people say that when I teach you about the kingdom? People might take advantage of you. You don't want that. But this is what it means to have faith and trust in God. Faith is living in an upside-down world and trusting that Jesus is right, that the meek will inherit the earth. Living by faith is believing that Jesus is right and that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. It's believing that those who are merciful will be shown mercy, that those who are pure in heart will see God. The The peacemakers will be called the sons and the daughters of God. That's what it is to have faith in the kingdom of God and to trust in God. Faith is making a choice that says, I will love even when the world around me says I should hate. (coughs) Faith is making a choice that say, I will forgive when the world around me says take revenge. I will give generously when the world around me says keep it for yourself. I mean, you deserve it, right? I will put others first when the world around me says, look after yourself first. That's what it means to choose the kingdom of God. And today the choice is yours. The choice is mine. Because Jesus' teaching forces us into a choice. This is one of those situations where you have to make a choice. Making no choice is a choice. You know that you get those situations in life? Because you have a choice. You can continue to live or you can live the, the way that the world lives. And lots of people do. You can do that and you can still believe in God. You can still come to church and, and you, know, you can give a little in the church. You can, you, know, you can make a box once a year. Or you can repent, you can turn around and you can be spiritually reborn into the kingdom of God. It's a choice that Jesus never forces on anyone, never twists anyone's arm, never tries to bribe anyone into. And that's because Jesus knew and and, and he teaches about this. And that's because, and I have to say to you, it's really hard. Jesus doesn't pretend that this is the easy path. We talked last week, Jesus teaching on the difference between the wide path and the narrow path. Jesus' teaching about the kingdom of God constantly challenges us. It constantly challenges the way that we see success and achievement. It challenges the way that we see power and fame. It challenges the way that we selfishly live in a me first world that says, You live your life for you, and everyone else comes second, and third, and fourth. And it goes downward from there. So today, the choice is yours the same as the choice is mine. Because this isn't a one-off choice, you know. It's not one of those things that, you know, you just pay your subscription and it's all done. This is a daily choice. These are daily decisions that we make, these kingdom decisions. Am I, are you ready to trust God completely? Am I, are you ready to step into this kingdom that... Jesus brings to earth, Jesus announces, this is what I'm here to do to invite you and to establish this new kingdom. Do I, do you believe that Jesus' way to live is the best way for you to live your life? Do I, are you ready to flip what success looks like in your life and to flip what other people are going to tell you success looks like in your life. To flip what other people who love you tell you what success looks like in your life. For some of us, watch your parents and what your friends and what your kids and what your mates at school and your neighbours, your brothers and sisters to flip sometimes what some of those people are telling you success looks like in your life. Do I really trust God when he says? Do I really trust Jesus when he teaches? This is the way to live your best life. Life in the kingdom is the best life for me and for you. These are the questions that Jesus' teaching about the kingdom puts in front of me and puts in front of you. And today, the choice is yours.